Amen. So uh, we continue through our study of the scripture, and that leaves us at Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. Genesis 17, verse 1. So last week we looked at a, a failure on Abram's part to properly lead his family. Uh, made a mistake and uh, heeded the voice of his wife over the voice of the Lord, believing that they had to take things into their own hands and uh, and uh, have a baby through Hagar, uh, Sarai's uh, handmaiden. And uh, that wasn't uh, what was supposed to happen, and they were never supposed to take over uh, what the Lord has for us. And uh, the Lord still, uh, in his grace and mercy, blesses them as a family. And Hagar uh, was uh, treated poorly by Sarai and had run off. And we were able to study that the Lord ministered to her, met her, called her by name, and explained to her that he sees her and he knows her pain, but it's time for her to return because he's going to bless that child that comes. She's uh, And she was pregnant. Uh, when she had run away to that quiet place and just wanted to be away from it all, and the Lord met her right there. Such a special moment for her that she had a special name between her and the Lord and had a special name for the place uh, that she was in. And uh, she goes back and uh, tells Abram and Sarai what had happened. And uh, at 86 years old, the son uh, Ishmael was born. He's not the son of promise but he is a son of Abram, and the Lord blesses him tremendously. The Lord, as he's ministering to uh, Hagar, who's been through so much, he says, I'm going to bless your son tremendously, and uh, there, you're gonna, there are going to be many that come from this, and uh, from a slave girl from Egypt, and for her to hear that and, and know that she's going to have one that she can call her own, call her son. And uh, so the, the Lord ministered through all of that. So in uh, chapter 17, verse 1, it says, When Abram was 99 years old, so this is 13 years later, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face. So as I said, 13 years later, uh, the, the Lord comes and speaks to Abram again. And the first thing he says is, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. Now, that 13 years, that's, uh, let that be a lesson. There, there are several lessons here of just trusting the Lord and walking with him no matter how long. We have to be praying about a certain situation or we're dealing with a medical condition or a lost one that we want to be saved or whatever it is that the, that God is ministering to us uh, through or, you know, God, I, I just I, I need this in my life or whatever it is. As the Lord ministers that we would remain uh, faithful to him, understanding that he is remaining faithful to us. He's not turning from us when he has given us that promise, uh, whatever it is that he's laid on our heart that he's going to take care of, he's going to take care of it. And, you know, if we if there, if we ask for something, we need to ask, believing that he's going to take care of it. Uh, you know, ask, knock, seek, right? We were told by, by the Lord uh, in the Gospels. So uh, 13 years later, after Ishmael's born, the Lord uh, shows up uh, and appears to Abram and talks to him. And he says, I am almighty God. So God is setting the tone for the conversation that's happening here. And uh, it says, uh, next he says, walk before me and be blameless. That's easy enough, right? We'll just go on to the next verse, right? Yeah, <laughs> we've all got that taken care of, right? No. So God is telling Abram that there needs to be a spiritual maturity in his life. Uh, you know, the, the times of, of doing your own thing, those things are done. You know, walk before me and be blameless. You know, no more trying to do things on your own strength. <clears throat> And the Lord says, I will make my covenant with you and multiply you exceedingly. And the Lord's been speaking to Abram for several years now and talking to him about multiplying him. He still doesn't have uh, one that was promised 
uh, through Sarai, uh, through his wife. And what we're going to see here uh, is that their names change from Abram to Abraham and Sarai to Sarah. And uh, it, meaning that with both both of those name changes are, uh, you know, the father of many and the mother of many. So we'll, we'll go through those things and uh, and look at them. But the Lord is saying here again, I will make my covenant with you and multiply you exceedingly. So God's presenting a one way deal that that just blesses Abram. And uh, he, he says, basically, he's saying, in, in our words, I'm going to bless you beyond belief by multiplying you exceedingly. And uh, Abram has his son, Ishmael, uh, but uh, the Lord has a different plan for him that he that he continues to unfold to Abram. And Abram, as we see here, and uh, I kind of wrote it in here in my notes, a 3A. We're going to read half of verse 3. It says, then Abram fell on his face. And as he should, he bows himself down in the presence of the Lord. And that's the proper place of worship and a proper response uh, to the Lord. And uh, it's important to us to understand that we need to have a reverence for God, not that we uh, make him the God of our convenience and just, uh, you know, hey, Lord, I'm going to toss up a prayer to you, old buddy, old pal up in the sky. But understand that he is the God of all creation. He wants that we he wants us to have that close relationship. I remember Will speaking of um, someone that uh, that used to attend this church years and years ago, and it was a, his, he was just speaking of his day being consistent prayer. Good morning, Lord. And as he's going through the day, he's just constantly praying to the Lord, uh, just talking to God like we would talk to each other. You know, might talk to a, a wife or husband, friend, whatever it is that we're spending the day with. And at the end of the day, good night, Lord, and just go to bed. You know, that that type of relationship to have with the Lord is very important for us. Um, yes, if we need to have that set apart time uh, just to, to go through a, a prayer list so we don't forget things. Um, it, we're not all going to pray the same way, but praying in reverence to the Lord instead of, yo, God, what's up? You know, that that mindset. Now, that, I mean, if I, I, I'm not going to correct a new brother in the Lord uh, uh, that 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 is just starting to walk and totally crushes dreams. But I, we're going to talk about that and, and just say, hey, you got to understand who we're talking to, you know. And But we don't have to also wax poetic and go to the old English and, oh, Lord, you know, because that's just going to get weird for us if that's not our, our common language. That's our normal language. You know, the Lord just wants us to be honest and and talk with him. I, uh, I'm amazed at how many people, uh, if you guys aren't used to praying in public, do it. I, I just I encourage you, even if you're by yourself eating somewhere, just bow your head and pray or with family and friends, just uh, sometimes, uh, you know, reaching by family, we all grab hands and we'll pray wherever we're at. And I know I've shared before, um, and this is absolutely to no glorifying of ourselves or anything. It's just, I'm just trying to encourage you that uh, we did it in Taco Bell once and in Brewer and we had no idea what was going on. We just prayed as we usually do. And this lady came over. Thank you for doing that. My kids were able to see and, uh, and, and they were, that we weren't the only ones doing it. Don't, guys, especially in this world, salt and light, that's what we need. You know, everybody else wants to take that salt, throw it in the back and shut the light off. You know, that's what the world wants to do. That's what the enemy wants to do. You know, be bold uh, in love and our faith and don't be afraid. But, but uh, so he he drops down right on his face and 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 uh, and and that importance of being still and and praying to him and you know going to him on our faces in humility. It's an act of humility of what's happening. And a key point to us in our prayer life is listening. You know, if we go, thanks Lord, bye, hang up the phone spiritually, uh, and then we're all about our day and. And uh, Lord, please speak to me. And he is, and we're not listening. Not that he needs us to be at a point of uh, complete silence, but that our, our hearts would be continuously at a, at a point of prayer. We can still go about our day talking to people, but that, that our heart is, is remaining in that, that prayerful state that we're communicating with the Lord instead of just checking the box and moving forward. But So Abram falls on his face in verse uh, 3b, the second half of it says, And God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, 
but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you for your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be your God, uh, to be God to you and your descendants after you. That's quite a statement to receive from God Almighty. He has been hearing of God's promises for years, and God is still fulfilling the promises in his life. They're just not in the timing that he would probably prefer. God is moving in his exact perfect timing. So the Lord is speaking to Abram. There are times in the scripture that we uh, might read right over something, and that might be an easy one. Just understand, he is having a conversation with God Almighty, that the Lord is speaking to him. God talked with him. God speaks with us. You know, Abraham, now we can call him Abraham, right? So I, uh, I, Abraham, at this point in his life, he's old. He's 99 years old. And the Lord is, is communicating, with, communicating with him. He's having this discussion, and he's hearing again from the Lord. As, as I said, it's been several years and encounters, and God's uh, promise hadn't changed. And even though he's 99 years old, the Lord is still promising him. Uh, to him that he will be the father of many nations. So, uh, you know, you know, no longer will he be Abram, exalted father. Now he'll be Abraham, father of a multitude. And so the Lord is, is changing his actual name. Now, we, if you're students of the scripture, uh, you can understand that we ourselves will receive a name uh, in, in heaven from the Lord. We're going to have another name. I love my name. I have told you as a kid, I didn't care for it as John Paul. I thought it made me feel like a little kid when people would combine the two. But then when I look at John in the scripture and I look at Paul in the scripture, I am so honored to have those two men's name as my name. You know, and of course I have Seer. I have my 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 biological father's name to, uh, to carry on. And, you know, and I'm a Willette. You know, my, my mom is, uh, so I'm all French, you know, Sierra and Ouellette and my family's from all, but I, I'm, I'm grateful for the name I have, but I do look forward to the name that the Lord is going to give me in heaven. And, uh, you know, think about that, you know, that, that we're going to have that name, uh, from the Lord. We'll see what it is, but it's, I'm sure it's going to be awesome, you know, and, uh, we're, we're going to be happy with it. The Lord knows us and, and, uh, uh, and I, I'm, I'm convinced it's going to have something to do with, you know, our, uh, our innermost character, or uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can say I'm convinced. I wonder. I convinced wasn't the proper, proper word for me to use there, but God almighty as God is, uh, you know, as he, as he says, he's informing Abram that he's no longer the man he was, uh, you know, his name is changing and, uh, things are going to change in his life tremendously. There's going to be a big change in his life so much so that his, his family is going to be multiplied. And uh, if you remember the first time God came to Abraham, he said that, that all the nations of the earth were going to be blessed through Abraham. You know, that all of the nations, all the families of the earth, it actually goes down into the families of the earth. Uh, and that's, that's, that's quite a statement. And, you know, so God's reiterating that he has a grand plan for, uh, for Abram, Abraham's life, uh, you know, uh, never does God say that he has to earn anything. He's never like, hey, I'm coming to you. We got a deal to strike. Uh, all these things. If you do this, I'm going to do this. Lord tells him, uh, I'm your God. Walk before me and be blameless. But the Lord is still uh, just telling him. I've, uh, and what we get to uh, here soon is God says is that he has already done it. Which is very, which is a really neat thing for us to study. So, you know, the Lord's doing it all. He just calls Abram to follow him. And uh, as Abraham, I have to remember to start saying that now. But uh, Abraham follows the Lord. He gets to see the blessings in his life that come just from following the Lord. 
that yeah, you're gonna make you've made some big mistakes in your in in you know like things that you probably want to go back. Hey, you know you, you know I hope he gave his wife a nice little present when they got back from Egypt after telling her you know hey let's just act like we're not married. You know those things and you know those are some things that that probably might have had to still get a, 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 a you know a, a look or sorry along the way i don't know <laughs> yeah who knows i don't know but um the lord says here that he says i have made you and in verse five he says i have made you a father of many nations i have made you a father of many nations and uh you know this is true with ishmael already he already has that and the lord said that he was going to bless is is uh ishmael but that he's not the promise uh, the child of promise, and uh, that that one was still to be born. But God is informing Abraham that this is already done in his eyes. He says, "I have made you," and uh, God is <clears throat> God exists outside of time, space, and matter. And uh, where He does, He's not confined to those things. So the Lord can just just flat out say, "I have done these things," and uh, and we know that it's true. Then he goes back in verse 6 and says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. But uh, he says, I have done this, and these things are going to happen in your life. They will unfold in your life, uh, and they shall happen, is the, the wording he starts using afterward. Uh, and uh, the words that, that come out from a man that has not been able to have children with his wife uh, naturally and biologically with his actual wife, Sarai, the Lord says he's going to make him exceedingly fruitful, that nations and kings are going to come from him, and that they it shall happen. It's coming from the Lord. It will happen uh, in his life. And, and the Lord continues to say, I will establish my covenant. Now, remember in Genesis 15, uh, when they, when they, uh, the, when Abram knew that there was a covenant uh, that was being presented. There was a contract being pre presented and uh, that he was to, uh, to split these animals in two. We, we talked about the, the scripture from Jeremiah, which explains that and how serious of, uh, uh, that is where the Lord is talking about whoever passed through that covenant and didn't keep it, the judgment they have coming with them. So when the Lord makes a covenant, it's an, he, he means business. And, and uh, Abram, Abraham uh, is being told here, I will establish my covenant. And uh, he didn't need Abraham to perform any works. It's based on the Lord's grace. And this is an everlasting covenant with Abraham and his descendants forever, it says. To, and the Lord even says to be God uh, to you and your descendants after you. So he's establishing a relationship with Abraham and his descendants to be their God. And uh, as we spoke earlier, and, and, and uh, just re remember last week, God said that he himself, so we talked about that, that uh, the covenant there, but when God says that he himself will be their God, but uh, God also told uh, Abram when he had just conquered the, uh, brought Lot back and everything, the Lord said, do not fear. I myself will be your exceedingly great reward that we would seek that relationship and then and then continue in it, that, that our, our lives would go back, but that the Lord is our uh, exceedingly great reward. There's nothing greater than having the Lord in our life. Uh, everything else falls in order, doesn't it? When we're in proper relationship with the Lord, when we have that proper relationship with him, uh, that our, uh, you guys have, have heard the adage that the when our vertical relationship is correct, then our horizontal relationships are correct, making that cross. And when things are off, things get off on both sides. But us having a proper relationship with the Lord, but, uh, you know, <clears throat> it's the Lord's heart to be our God and, and for us to be his children. I don't know about you guys, but there are in conversations that I've had with people, they, they understand God to be a distant God that, that, that isn't person, that he's impersonal, that he's full of wrath. And, uh, those two things couldn't be further from the truth that, that he's very personal and he's full of love and desires that very intimate and close relationship with us, a relationship that we'll, we will never have here, even with our closest, uh, husband, wife, whatever it is, we're supposed to have that the closest relationship with God. 
that we would make that our priority. We can't be the husband, wife, friend, um, parent, whatever it is. We can't be what we're supposed to be if our relationship with the Lord is off. We have to have that proper relationship with him, and he wants it. That's the thing is we don't have to go do all these crazy things like, oh, I'm going to earn God's favor by doing this, 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 and this. No, if we're doing good things uh, to uh, that we would be blessing other people, that's just being obedient. You know, those are things that are supposed to be uh, coming out of our lives. We're supposed to be bearing the fruits of the Spirit, right? Uh, and uh, we're supposed to be working out our faith with fear and trembling. And uh, it says working out our salvation with fear and trembling. That uh, that our faith would be evident. You know, when, when you look at what James was presenting uh, to the church and um, when he's explaining that faith without works is dead. That, that if we are just about words and lip service and you know uh, then then our, our faith is dead but if, if we have uh, active faith now that's going to be different for all of us we're not all called with the same gifts we're not all going to be uh, called to be a, a street witness uh, we're not all going to be called to be um, uh, pastors and teachers or worship leaders or you know whatever it is but whatever gifts God has used us we use those gifts and talents we all have. Uh, specific gifts and talents, we use those for the Lord's glory, and that's fulfilling what He's telling us to do. And uh, just uh, that, but that proper relationship that as we're serving Him, uh, we're going to serve and love others. Verse eight. Also, I give you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So again, we see God declaring that Israel belongs, Israel, the land, belongs to the children of Abraham, uh, the, the physical descendants of Abraham, uh, the children of Israel. You know, he, that, uh, he came through on that promise, as he always does, and he gave them that land. And uh, Abraham uh, was Jacob, uh, Jacob's uh, grandfather, and Jacob, uh, the Lord called and changed his name from Jacob, heel snatcher, to govern by God. And uh, so it's the same person, just changed his name again. So there's those, when the Lord wants to do something mighty in that person's, uh, in, and in our lives, he works in us in a different way. Uh, he may call us, uh, not necessarily by a different physical, we don't really do a whole lot of that uh, physical name changing or anything like that, uh, but th that, that he would call us his children and uh, that, that he can use a different tone with us when we're his children. You know, when that's that calling out and he's reaching out to us. And now that we're responding and, and we have ears uh, of, of faith and, and a heart of faith and, and eyes that are open to him, he can speak to us differently. And uh, it, so these children of Abraham would be the, the nation of Israel. So it's an everlasting covenant. And uh, we understand that they were, they have been taken and returned multiple times, but God has always reestablished them. Most recently, 1948. And uh, the Lord says, I will be their God. And he's again stating that And in the scriptures, we see that Israel has successes and failures but the Lord brings them back to him. Uh, they may have uh, suffered many unnecessary uh, sorrows that they dragged themselves through so that the Lord uh, can uh, chasten them. And, and uh, we, we have seen uh, in history, read through the scriptures and everything, what Israel has been, has been put through and, and, and understand that spiritually we don't want those things in our lives. If we are, you know, Israel governed by God, um, Children of Abraham, uh, we shouldn't be hard-hearted and uh, and uh, uh, sorry, stiff-necked and, and hard-hearted. Uh, you know, we shouldn't be resisting the Holy Spirit. We we've talked about that that they were called out Old Testament, called out by Stephen in Acts chapter seven right, uh, before he was stoned when he gives that awesome, uh, just uh, just that sermon uh, for the ages, and he says, "You stiff-necked and hard of heart, you do always resist the Holy Spirit." Uh, so for us as Christians that we would not do that. But he says that this land is going to be given to them uh, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Verse 9, 
And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep. Between me and you and your descendants after you, every male child among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins. And it was it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male child in your generations, he who is born in your house or bought with money from a foreigner who is not of your descent, uh, not your descendant, he who is born in your house and he who is bought with money must be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So what we see here in uh, verses 9 through 14 is the Lord introducing uh, circumcision as a sign of the covenant that he is making with Abraham and his descendants. The cutting off of the flesh of the foreskin of all males. So for newborns, it was on the eighth day of their, their lives, uh, regardless of whether it was a Sabbath or not, where we know uh, that uh, that the Lord uh, made it clear that in, in as he's confronting the religious leaders, uh, that, that, you know that it is good to do uh, do do good on the Sabbath and uh, and to keep uh, God's law on the Sabbath and they were all bent out of shape because he's making somebody whole on it but God's law was for uh, on the eighth day uh, for uh, that baby to be circumcised and there's an interesting fact within that that I, I learned from actually this morning I, I got to listen to Joe Foch just for a little bit and what I remember was him saying that vitamin K and another uh, another clotting agent are at their maximum on the eighth day for that child and that it actually gets to 110 percent of what it needs to be at and then the next day it goes down to a hundred percent. You know, I've said it, I think it was last, it might have been last Wednesday, but the Lord, the, the Bible is always ahead of science. You know, it may be an ancient book, but the, the, the truths of what God did is always ahead of science. We were, it was last week, we were talking about blood and uh, the, uh, we have to be careful handling blood and those things and the reasons, you know, for, for those, those things that, uh, uh, so we see here uh, circumcision as uh, being presented on the eighth day, regardless whether it was a Sabbath or not. So it's an outward sign of being set apart to God is is what we'll uh, understand as it unfolds. And that uh, that circumcision is that sign of the uh, the covenant itself. So there's a greater meaning to circumcision. It's uh, it's a uh, it's an outward symbol of what is happening. But uh, that circumcision is actually supposed to be happen in our hearts, and uh, we'll get into that here. So, as a sign of the of the covenant, it was a symbol of something or someone different, someone that was set apart. So uh, to be that it was a symbol of being fully set apart uh, to God. And uh, what we see when we're discussing this circumcision of heart, that 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 setting apart, being sanctified. Uh, would be uh, from the inside out, that that as those things uh, that it would be evident uh, by the way we live our lives. So it's it's always been about a true and intimate relationship with the Lord. Uh, that uh, that circumcision of the heart is uh, uh, personal and it's biblical, and uh, we are not called to be robots. That's that's not what the Lord, you know, we are supposed to follow his commands. But what he's what he's really after, when you look at the behind what's all what's behind all of this, when he's talking about circumcision, the flesh of the foreskin and everything, it's it's a it's it's telling of a, of a greater responsibility, a greater thing that God really wants. I mean, that's just a quick act somebody can do. Very painful. You know, they've got to recover and all these things. Right. Uh, and uh, but ultimately, the Lord wants our hearts. He wants that that full uh, that 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 um, the full commitment to living for and and uh, to knowing Him. 
So the law can be served, uh, summed up in these things, the Lord said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? So uh, circumcision itself is a physical reminder of what is supposed to have taken place uh, in our hearts. Now, circumcision is no longer required for somebody uh, uh, when they become a Christian. And, and that was something that Paul had to address with the Galatians because the Galatians always wanted to keep going back to that, that old thing. Well, now we got to do this. And oh, foolish Galatians, you know, wh what are you doing? Paul, Paul had to correct them because they're, they're trying to tie in the law and grace. And he's saying, what are you doing? You're being foolish. Stop doing that. You know, I've given you, that's not what it's about. Uh, and, and so we're going to get to some scriptures here uh, that speak of it. But, um, you know, they, this was a sign of the covenant that was supposed to happen. So for anybody who is eight days old, all the way up till, you know, whatever, if they hadn't been circumcised, uh, they were supposed to be as, as Jews. So uh, as sons of Abraham and, excuse me. So they would do that. And, uh, they would. They got to a point where that was a a point of pride for them, and uh, and uh, in following not only that but other things. Remember John the Baptist confronting the religious leaders, saying, "You can make any bold claim you want of what you've done to make yourself holy before God, and and all these things uh, that you're children of Abraham. Don't even you know you can't place your faith in that because God can make stones." into sons of Abraham. Don't even, uh, you know, go there is basically w what the Lord's saying. You can say all those things you want, but God's able to raise up stones, uh, uh, sons of Abraham from stones. And uh, so it's it's not about these, the letter of the law and walking around as robots and these things, but the Lord, so when he gi he's giving circumcision, there's a greater uh, circumcision that needs to happen in someone's life, and that's circumcision of the heart. So if somebody has... Uh, not gone through that in their life, and then they become a Christian, they don't have to do that and then try to keep everything else in the law, all the hundreds of laws that they need to take uh, take into consideration. None of that needs to be done. But it was established here as a physical symbol uh, to the children of Israel. Galatians 3.29 says, And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You know, they eventually come to the point of, uh, you know, they were at the point of checking boxes uh, for their relationship with God, but their hearts were far from him. And, uh, and, and you know, that true conversion of the heart is, is what the Lord was really after. Uh, Deuteronomy 30, verse 16, which will probably come up. Yep, there it is. Uh, it says, and the Lord your God, uh, so circumcision was uh, brought forth to the Lord, but as we see, as it continues to unfold, it says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. So uh, they're going through that, that physical uh, thing, but the Lord is saying, Yes, this is the physical thing, but I'm after so much more. Jeremiah 4.4 4 says, Circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your heart. You men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench it because of your evil doings. Romans 2 verses 25 uh, through 29 says, For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as uh, counted as circumcision? And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who even with the written code and circumcision are transgressor of the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, <clears throat> nor is circumcision that which is uh, which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit, and uh, uh, that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men but from God. So through all that stumbling, the Lord is saying here that uh, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. If you, yeah, you've done all these things, but your uh, your your heart is is far from the Lord. It doesn't matter. 
you're you're not obedient to the Lord. You were just checking boxes. And what he's saying is, it, it, and then in verse 28 he says, for he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, uh, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, uh, that one that this heart is set apart to God. Not, hey, I've done this fleshly thing. We're good to go. I've done this. I can go to church. I can do the da 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 I can say this. I can do those things. I attended here. I'm good to go. Uh, I've, I've earned some brownie points with the Lord. Now I'm going to go live, be about my... That's not what the Lord has ever wanted. He's never wanted just a robot relationship. He wants a personal, intimate relationship. And that should be evident by the way we live our lives. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly in circumcision, that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. That was from Romans 2. Verse 15, then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of uh, a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. So her name goes from Sarai, my princess, to Sarah, mother of nations. So Sarah over here, I can hear a little voice of celebration. She's saying yes. So right, she's very happy with that. God promises a son to Abraham by Sarah. Now. If someone had just picked up the scripture and just starts reading right there, they don't know the whole backstory that this man is 99 years old and his wife is 90. They're both, as 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 uh, Hebrews says, their bodies are as good as dead, and uh, they're both past all of this, and uh, they're at the point where, as this is being said, uh, we see from Abram, uh, there's a little bit of. Uh, am I understanding this correctly? What, what's going on here? But God promises a son to Abraham by Sarah. And the Lord says, she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. You know, So God is making it very clear. Yes, you have done this with Hagar and you have a son. Because he's your son, I'm going to bless him. And he's, he's you know, that we'll see here later, the Lord gives him a, uh, specifically the, the last promise regarding Ishmael went to Hagar. This one uh, comes to Abraham himself. But what the Lord is saying is, I'm going to do. I'm going to blow your mind even more, uh, in that these uh, that she shall shall be uh, the mother, a mother of uh, nations, kings of people shall be from her. Uh, if, get, if God has said it, it's going to be done. And uh, she's 90 years old. He's 99. But God isn't limited to our uh, abilities physical, uh, whatever abilities we have, God isn't limited uh, to them. So verse 17, then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, God shall be, uh, uh, sorry, he said in his heart, shall a child be born to a man uh, who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, no. I love that. God said, no, Sarah, your wife shall be, uh, shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and it will end with his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you behold, I have blessed him and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I uh, I will establish with Isaac, uh, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this uh, set time next year. So Abraham's laugh, uh, we see that in verse 17, he says within his heart. Now, when we get to, and I'm going to try to fast forward as much as I can and not, not get uh, stalled here. The goal is to get through verse 15 of chapter eight, 18. So uh, we see a difference here. There's a laugh in Abraham and there's a laugh in Sarah at this news. Okay, so we're going to look at the differences of them both. What we can conclude of these is that Abraham's laugh is more of one of a joyful. Uh, there's some joy there and there's some questioning, uh, a little bit of disbelief because he doesn't understand what's happening. And uh, so there's a question in his heart here. So he unknowingly, uh, through his response, is teaching us something about our faith. 
that when the Lord says something to us, we might go, yeah, me? Yeah, right. You know, if the Lord says it, guys, don't, don't, you know, mess with. We don't want to go down the route of having to be corrected by the Lord. If the Lord is telling us and he's laying something and he says, I'm going to do this in your life. And that's between you and the Lord. But as he's laying these things out, we can't look at it and go, God doesn't know me. I can tell you I dealt with a little bit of this when I got the call from Will saying, hey, I need you to pray about something. And uh, I've been the summary of, we know that he had been called to Kentucky. I want you to pray about where the Lord is calling you to be this, the pastor of this church. And I'm going, <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, was was the response there because I, I it's funny because I, I, I never believed before then and before now that the Lord was, I, I hadn't heard that calling on my life before, that the Lord was calling me to that. Over some time of praying and uh, just as things were unfolding, I realized that the Lord was calling and uh, that he gave us that very clear, uh, when I say us, my wife and I, that very clear uh, description of how he was going to call us to do it. And I've explained it before. As I was driving down to that pastor's conference with all, you know, there were a few of us that, that jumped in the van and we're all driving down there and I'm just by myself. We're all having these conversations throughout, but it was like God speaking. I'm, I'm in that zone by myself driving. And the Lord said, day by day, step by step. And then he revealed uh, later on uh, to her, she just out of the blue as, we're, as I'm calling to check in, hey, I heard Jeremy Camp's walk by faith. I know you guys have heard this, but it, 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 there's something to it, so I'm reiterating it. <clears throat> We've never just shared, hey, I heard this Jeremy Camp song. But it was she understood. The Lord spoke to her in that walk by faith. And the Lord, it, we hadn't talked. And then she says, hey, that walk by faith. The, the walking is the one step and one foot in front of the other. And that's what the Lord said. And here we are. You know, I, I, I haven't been hit with tomatoes yet. Uh, and, uh, you know, things haven't fallen apart. We're just trusting the Lord and, and clinging to his word. And that's how we're going to continue to do it. We're just going to continue to trust him and move forward. But we may not understand it, but we're called to just believe the Lord. So Abram uh, just uh, when, when he so he unknowingly is, is teaching us about our faith that, you know, hey, we may get to that point, but we need to trust in him. You know, God's going to use him, Abraham, to do the impossible despite his questions. And uh, Abraham brings up Ishmael. He's like, you sure it's not about Ishmael? The Lord had just said, you're going to have a son through your wife. And he's like, oh, that Ishmael. No, 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 no. And the Lord specifically says, you know, it, you know, he definitely loves his son, and uh, but he's not the son of promise. And the Lord says, no. <laughs> I love that. Verse 19, no is the word uh, that it's given here as the Lord responds. Uh, we may not understand it all uh, in, in what the Lord is saying to Abraham. Even though you don't understand it all, uh, that's that's how it's going to work. And, and that's the same with our lives. We may not understand it. You know, God makes it abundantly clear that he has a plan and, uh, you know, this won't be accomplished. His plan will not be accomplished through Ishmael. It's going to be through the miraculous uh, child that he is going to cause uh uh, Sarah to be pregnant at 90 years old and that you at 99 uh, are, are going to be able to produce a child and uh, you're going to become a dad. Now talk about becoming a dad late. And uh, you know, that's uh, he already had a son with Ishmael, but uh, you know, when you start putting your life together and everything, you're like, all right, 99, uh, you know, it's usually not the time when people start thinking, Hey, I'm going to have, have a baby, but you know, there's start. You know, there sometimes there's a break between kids, and yeah. So uh, yeah, at 86 and 90 and 100, he has that. So, so God reiterates after he says no, he says God. He, he reiterates that Sarah will bear a son. God names the child, and uh, the the child's name is he laughs, <laughs> which is awesome, Isaac, and God establishes his covenant. With Isaac and his descendants, not Ishmael. Uh, Ishmael has his own blessing, and uh, God says that He heard Abraham's prayers, and He He, he heard, uh, you know, the, even the thoughts of Abraham's heart, and He promises to bless him and make him fruitful and multiply him exceedingly, and uh, he shall beget twelve princes, and uh, made a great nation. 
and uh, you know, that that's quite a, a blessing uh, in and of itself. But then he makes it very clear in verse 21, but my covenant I will establish with Isaac, and Sarah will bear him even at 90 years old. So, uh, you know, that's going to be next year, and the Lord explains it's going to happen the next year. So Abraham has heard of the promises so far. Now God's giving him in-depth detail of when it's going to happen. Uh, he tells him what to name his son, and he tells him uh, that uh, he will be born through Sarah and that he's going to be 100 years old when this all happens. So it's quite a quite a promise, and uh, the Lord can back it up. Verse 22, then he finished talking with him. He, God, finished talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. And so Abraham took, his, uh, took Ishmael, his son, all who were born in his house and all who were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very same day. As God had said to him, Abraham was 99 years old uh, when he had circumcised the flesh of his foreskin, and Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old uh, when he circumcised the flesh of his foreskin. They uh, that very same day Abraham was circumcised and his son Ishmael and the men of his house and all the men of his house born in the house or bought with money from a foreigner were circumcised uh, with him. So as God had said to him in verse uh, 23, it says, as God said to him, uh, Abraham obeys the words of the Lord and circumcised his whole house household. Important uh, to understand that he, for us to be hearers and doers of the word, uh, as James 1 verses 22 through 24 says, uh, be, uh, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself going away, uh, self goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was, that reflection. And uh, so it's important to understand that when we hear from the Lord uh, and we know what we're supposed to be doing, we have to be hearers and doers. We can't be selective. I, I don't know about you guys. I'm an awful selective hearer. Uh, the people at work are understanding that. The, the the women that I work with, it's becoming a more of a running joke because there are conversations happening all around me, and I'm sitting there doing my work, and they might be having a conversation, and then they've just said, they've kind of pointed their voices toward me, and they're saying things. But my wife knows very well, and my kids know very well, unless you say, John, and you get my attention, I'm not listening. And, and even if I might be looking like I'm listening, and I'm doing this, I just did it to... Was it, it was, to Casey today? Casey said something to me. Oh, it was about our uh, these uh, uh, these microphones. He's like, everybody have their microphones. Yep. And I just said, yep. And I'm I'm thinking about grabbing my guitar, getting my mind and and voice and heart prepared for worship. And I looked at him. I go, I don't know what you just said to me. <laughs> you know. And I, I just I answered yes. And I wasn't even paying attention to what he was saying. Uh, and I didn't have this. He's like, you guys have your your microphones. My mind said, this microphone, yep, and I just wrote it off, and I answered, I do it too much, and uh, that's what I do. So, uh, yeah, I very much need uh, to have that attention so that hearers being do hearers of the word and doers of the word. He, get, he received very specific instructions. The Lord gave him those instructions, and he obeyed the Lord and did what he was told to do. So what we see here is a good leadership lesson uh, for his family and all those in his household. Good leadership lesson for us. He hears the word and he does it. It's not something you wanted to do. That's a painful thing to do. We don't need to get into the science of it. It has to do with any type of cutting. But cutting of male parts is not going to be anything that anybody willfully wants to just jump in and do with joy. You know, but it's something they did obediently. And, uh, and, you know, it's one of those things that I think everybody who maybe didn't have that done as a child now when they become Christians is like, glad I don't have to go through that. Because they don't. That's trying to keep the law. That's not necessary. But it's, uh, it always, uh, you know, the, um, that obedience, you know, that it's, uh, he only, you know, he's leading them, but he, he uh, he's moving forward, but he also requires the same obedience to his word 
from all of those in his household. It wasn't just like, hey, I'm going to be obedient. You guys do this if you want. He's the head of his household. He made the rules. He brought everybody there. As the Lord said that everybody had to be, he presents this and they do it. And everybody does it. Might have been some reluctance there, I'm sure. You know, nobody was really excited to do it, but they did it obediently. Think of Jesus praying. You know, Father, let this cup, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That our will would be submitted to the Father's. So uh, we see Abraham uh, did as God had said to him. He led by example. He led from the front. He went and did that also. Um, and uh, you know, eventually, we don't know the, the, the exact order of what happened there, but he, he actually did what he was supposed to. And, uh, um, you know, there's some sore individuals there for a bit, but Abraham and his sons, uh, and all those in his household obeyed the word of the Lord. And uh, ultimately, that was the most important part of what was happening. Verse 1 of chapter 18. Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees at, at Mamre. And <clears throat> as he was sitting in the, t in the tent door in the heat of the day, so he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them... Uh, he ran uh, from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, uh, do not pass uh, on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and, uh, and, let her be, and wash your feet and rest yourself under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by, and as much as you have come uh, to your servant, they said, do as you have said. So the Lord appeared again, it says in verse 1. Abram's sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day, and he's enjoying the shade is what it's explained. You know, he's not sitting outside. He's sitting, just kind of sitting there so he can see. Uh, today's world, you might be sitting on your porch, you know, uh, and uh, these guys are then just enjoying the shade. and. He sees them coming, them coming, and he realizes that they're they're greater than him. And he comes, he sees these men, he bows down, understands uh, what's a little bit of what's happening here. And it was, uh, <clears throat> if this was only angels there, they would have corrected him and stopped him, saying, "No, stand up." So we understand that this is uh, another uh, another type of. Uh, where we can get into the discussion of Christophany. We've talked about that before. God incarnate coming before, but another account of God uh, in the flesh being present. And he asks them, he wants to be a good host. He says, let me get some water, wash your feet, uh, rest, get some food. He wants to be a good host. And that those things are customary and they're expected in those days. So when he sees them, he goes and he approaches them and, uh, and he asks and he says, do as you have said. Verse 6 says, So Abraham hurried into the tent uh, to Sarah and said, Quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes. Then Abraham ran uh, to the herd and took a tender, calf, a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf, and uh, which he had prepared, set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree, as they ate, then he said to them, uh, then, uh, sorry, then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? So he said here in the tent and he capitalized H there said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of your life. And behold, Sarah, your wife shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent, which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in years and Sarah had passed uh, the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I've grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being all old also? So remember, we discussed there were two different laughter responses. So uh, immediately after he gets the permission, he runs in and asks his wife to make something and uh, to get some food. And he goes and finds a, a tender and good calf. And you know, he wasn't going to give him a 
frozen pizza and some hot dogs, you know, like, hey, let me see what I can grab out of the freezer. It's not freezer burned here. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'll just, you know, what's a PB&J or, you know, what do we have here? You know, he goes and he gets the best and he grabs that tender. Uh, I, I just had a steak here and I, mouths are probably watering, you know, or just here and I had a steak before. So as I'm reading this, I'm like, ah, that tender, tender meat is nice. You know, the ribeye, Jen picked it up today. And I was blessed to have that thing cooked to perfection and eat that with some vegetables and uh, everything. It was it was a great meal. And uh, so he goes and he takes the best and they, they made haste and prepared all these things. And he presents a nice meal to them. And, uh, you know, he stood in the shade as they ate. In verse 9, the story shifts to Sarah. And, uh, you know, they, they knew her name. And, uh, you know, because he's God. Uh, and uh, verse 10, it says uh, that he... Uh, will return and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah's listening. She's old. She's past the child uh, childbearing ages and gone through menopause. The biological clock uh, didn't have any power, uh, didn't have a battery backup type thing, right? They always say the biological clock is ticking or whatever. Yeah, like there, there's there's nothing hooked up there anymore. Uh, you know, you know, her response was one of disbelief and uh, in a negative manner, more of a scoffing. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we, you know, oh yeah, we've heard stuff like this before. Maybe it was, uh, you know, I'm old, he's old is really what, what she literally says at the end. Uh, you know, if we were going to make it in today's world says after I've grown old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also, uh, like, yeah, I'm old. He's old. Not going to happen. Uh, so the Lord deals with that. We'll see here. Uh, directly, but uh, you know he he didn't you know turn her into a pillar pillar of salt. That's later coming up soon. You know he didn't didn't strike her dead or anything. But he deals he addresses it. Um, Hebrews eleven verses eleven and twelve says, "By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, uh, because she judged him faithful who had promised." Therefore. Uh, from one man, as good as dead, uh, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. So the Lord is uh, showing here through the word that a man as good as dead and a woman that was way past the age, God was still able to work. Second Corinthians 12, this was the scripture I was talking to you about that came, uh, that brought Matt Harvey to mind uh, with his situation he's dealing with. Second Corinthians 12 Verses 9 and 10. And this is Paul writing regarding his uh, the physical infirmities he's dealing with. He says, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will, render, I will rather boast in my infirmities, uh, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God likes to bring us to that point where there's absolutely no way it can happen. And then give us peace about it. You know, my grace is sufficient for you. As he said to Paul, as Paul was asking for the thorn in the flesh to be removed from him, the Lord's response was, my grace is sufficient for you. And, and he taught him there that that man and woman, the man that was as good as dead in that womb that was as good as dead, there was no hope for it but God. And when God comes into the picture, everything changes. He's not limited to our abilities. Uh, as we said earlier, we're almost there. Verse 13, and the Lord said to Abraham, <clears throat> why did Sarah laugh saying, sure, uh, shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? So he quotes what Sarah said, and he says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of your life. And uh, Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh. Remember, she said she laughed in her heart. And the Lord brings up. So, yeah, just, just look back. Just look back. Uh, just a couple verses there. Um, and it says, uh, now it says, uh, verse 12, therefore Sarah laughed within herself. She laughed within herself and, and, and the Lord, you know, no, she didn't laugh outwardly, but the Lord knew that she had that laughter uh, in, in her heart. And, and, and she, I did not laugh for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. 
So there's a difference there, and we talked about the differences between the two, uh, the two laughs, but both were laughing internally. That's that's quite a statement that both of them, you know, there are Jen and I, I after so many years, we start thinking alike. We start we're both very different. Thankfully, she isn't you know, like me, but uh, but we're both very different. But there's also some similarities. Our sense of humor starts getting to the point where we both think certain things are funny or we both start start thinking alike. And there's this joke uh, from a movie um, uh, Hotel Transylvania that, that we watched and, and uh, there's a, a character there where he's talking about when two people zing when they, they find out they're, they're so much like each other as that zing so we'll joke about that that there's that, that, that thing that, that connection that we have and, and uh, these, these two both laughed internally um, uh, so those laughters one was not understanding and joy the other was more uh, of a scoff or whatever uh, the Lord is the one that knows what's in the heart of man. Uh, at this time of year, it's always a popular thing. He knows when you've been sleeping. He knows when you're awake. It's a lie. I already told you guys that. I don't make a huge thing about it where we're going to put, you know, uh, you know, there is no Santa Claus in a banner outside the church. We're not going to do that. But uh, we're, we're <laughs> Shane's like, dang it, I want to, <laughs> you know, that, you know what, that's something that I, I don't encourage anybody to tell their kids that he does exist because then, okay, well, if Santa Claus doesn't exist, does God, you know, is this another control method of you? Uh, but, uh, you know, God knows what's on the inside of our hearts. You know, when uh, when God was telling Samuel uh, who who to who to look for for kings, like don't look at the outward man. You know, man's always looking at the outward man. God looks at the heart. There's uh, that He understands the heart. What's in in inside the heart of man? And uh, you know, Jesus, on several occasions, occasions knew the thoughts uh, and uh, of of everybody around him. You guys know what I'm talking about. There were those circumstances that came up, and Jesus, perceiving what they were thinking, says, "Oh, you guys are oh, let's let's bring this right out. You guys are thinking that, and I can I can tell there's some question there. Let's just talk about it." And the Lord uh, just just brings it out there, and, and He addresses what's happening here. So we've studied it all. My uh, encouragements uh, that I, I believe the Lord has put on the heart that I have to relate to you. They're not my encouragements. There's the Lord's from the word. But uh, wait on the Lord. Whatever the Lord is doing uh, in our hearts. Uh, if you know that, he, guys, I can tell you this. As a worship leader, um, I know that I get to a point of frustration with my abilities and I'm right there. Well, has he called me to be here? Yes. So he's going to carry me and, and until he one day... Maybe uh, removes me from uh, from that, and uh, you know puts another that, that that can take over that in a full time uh, role uh, that for every service or whatever. Then I can step out. Until then, I follow the Lord and just trust that what He's doing is uh, going to carry us through this. That's just one example. He doesn't forget about His promises. He has great plans for us. This isn't. I'm not saying this like you know, health, wealth, prosperity, but it is true. You know, I, now understand in Jeremiah, when the Lord was speaking to him, uh, he's speaking of leading Israel out of captivity again, that, that they're not uh, going to be brought to complete uh, destruction and desolation. Um, but they, in their hearts, they couldn't leave fast enough. They want to get out of there and any waiting was hard. But the Lord goes and he says to Jeremiah, you're going to be familiar with the verses. Jeremiah 29, 11 verse, uh, verses 11 through 13 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Very, very, you know, when you look at that future and a hope, you've got uh, Sarah who had no hope and all these things, and she's never thought she'd be, become a mother. At 90 years old, the Lord's there having a conversation. She hears God speaking and uh, she can actually hear God say it this time. Uh, and, uh, you know, that I give you a future and a hope. Verse 12, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. All your heart. I wasn't even trying to do that to be funny at all. I don't know why that came out. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So it's about God's will. It's about God's timing. Us being willing to follow the Lord 
and uh, asking him, continue to work in my, in my life. Don't let me, you know, God doesn't need our help. He doesn't, you know, he just demands our obedience and our faith in him. He doesn't need us to jump in and say, oh, I thought you were going to do it, but you're not. So I'm going to do this. There are times for action and the Lord's going to call us to that action. But for us to say, well, God promised it, I, I, it's going to happen right now. If the Lord says it's going to happen next year, wait. If, the, if God says it's going to happen at some point, wait on him. But if God says, go and do it, we don't sit around praying, should I go or should I not? When he's given the command to go, we go. But when there's the command to wait, we need to wait. Sometimes it's harder to wait oftentimes than it is to go. Depends on what we're being called to do, right? Sometimes it's a, no, I, I'm going to do the Jonah thing and run the other direction. Or sometimes it's go and, you know, I'm, or, or wait. No, I want to you know, be shot out of a cannon. You know, there's that, that approach. Just seek the Lord and his guidance and be obedient to what he says. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it encourages us, that you build us up, you edify us through it. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to wait on you and that we would be obedient to you and uh, that we wouldn't be compromised and uh, that we would trust in you and uh, your plans for us, knowing that you love us and you care for us and uh, you have great things uh, planned ahead for us and are using us mightily now and in the future. So we pray that you would continue to sanctify us. That, that, that our hearts would be set apart for you and uh, that that circumcision of the heart would be true in every one of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.